0: And welcome to another episode of the Wrist Cheese Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brodinky. With me, as always, is my good buddy, Mr. Schmidt, in your home for horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. Schmidtie, what's up there, bud?
1: Nothing much, man. Nothing much. How are you doing?
0: Good, good. A happy Father's Day to you, my friend. We are recording here on on Sunday of Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Uh, You know current and future if anybody's got a bun in the oven i remember those and, times uh,
1: and uh and keep keep doing you dads sometimes we sometimes we get the day sometimes we really don't get the day but,
0: but most times we don't get the day so
1: yes, yes most times we do not
0: get this the day. one is for you
1: this one's all this one's out for all my homies
0: <laughs> so how was your father's day
1: it was good man uh a little bit of an unorthodox father's day i'll be honest um Wife well, tried to do this whole thing, go to go to lunch and everything like that, take the whole family. Uh, but it progressively divulged into just utter chaos because we couldn't find a place to go. You know, you got toddlers and stuff running around. So it's like there's just not a great sit-down option. So uh admittedly, I spent Father's Day at McDonald's uh with the play place. So it's all right, uh, you
0: know what? At least it's a family place. But hey. l- l- let me go back here because I at first I thought I thought you were gonna tell me. You were experiencing the plight of every man who's in a relationship, which is what do you want to eat? No, no, oh, you want. Oh, well, eat? I mean
1: that, that that was that was. Well, also, I'm good with yeah.
0: anything. What do you want to eat? Well, yeah. Well, I'm good with anything. No, you're not. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, exactly.
1: Not. You're definitely not. You're okay. definitely not.
0: I am good with anything. What are you good with? Yeah. No, glad my wife it, doesn't listen to this podcast. Just make a decision.
1: Totally, totally our argument. Just
0: make a decision, and you try to pick somewhere that's pretty, pretty open, got a lot of options. Like uh yep. let's just go to the diner. I hate the diner.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. The hostess, yes, yes. the
0: hostess stares at me. I don't think she likes me. Last time I went there, I got cold fries. I'm not going to the diner. All right, fine. Okay. Where do you want to go? Doesn't matter. Pick somewhere. No, we just went through this. I just picked somewhere. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can't win. You just can't win. You it's cannot okay, win. It's okay. You cannot win. So, I, thought, is,
0: I thought you were getting that.
1: At first. I mean, I I did, I did, but I got it like driving up and down an entire road, hitting every restaurant option around it's like nope, this doesn't work this doesn't work this doesn't work i'm like okay so where do you want to go it's like it's not my day you pick i'm like okay
0: well then you also you also like me i can tell already that you you like to have an escape plan because i i tend when i have to choose places for us to eat i choose places that i can make a quick exit so somewhere that i can either pay ahead of time and skedaddle if the shit hits the fan. Okay. I'll go, or if it's somewhere like a diner where you can just ask for a quick check and just here you go, run up to the counter, pay. Like I'm not yeah. gonna have my kids ruin your <laughs> ruin your entire atmosphere here for the next. Yeah, I mean hour. that's that's
1: kind of that's kind of the the thing that's a little difficult here because where I live, there's not really a lot of like classic diners. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's kind of like a northeast, you know, kind of midwesty type thing. There's just not a lot of like classic diners, and the ones that are around are nowhere near where i live so it's just like never an option but you know it is what it is you go do the thing
0: yeah yeah my backup is always somewhere that like you you pay first like if you're gonna go to like chipotle <laughs> like yeah, you yeah you've already first, paid so i've already you sat paid. down so if i have to go eat the rest of my my lunch in the car i can't <laughs>
1: yeah 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 for sure just so i don't <laughs> have
0: to feel the guilt and humiliation of having a screaming kid
1: <laughs> yeah no, no, no. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And like I said, you know, everything devolved, de- devolved into McDonald's, which I was totally fine with. The kid got to run around. My wife got to go back to sleep, you know, sooner than than later because she had to work tonight. Um, and everything, you know, everyone that went with us got exactly what they wanted in a pretty timely fashion. So, what are you gonna do, Father's Day?
0: What was the ice cream machine on?
1: <laughs> you know, I got me a grimace shake. I got oh, very nice. Was I was got a yeah, it was good. There's been like a whole viral trend online. I don't know if you saw this, but about the Grimace shake, because some people think it's like vanilla flavored and some people think it's berry flavored. And I guess somebody posted that essentially it's it's what it, you, you taste it differently, whether or not you eat the fries first or not.
0: Oh, this is the new. Uh, what color is the dress?
1: Yeah, kind of. It's it's it's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 From a few years ago. Exactly. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. So basically, like they say, if you don't eat the fries, it tastes more vanilla if you eat the fries and then you drink the shake, the salt from the fries enhances your taste buds and it makes it taste like berry.
0: I will say that that is a real thing because I, for example, I I don't get a lot of opportunities to sit down and eat. So sometimes yeah. I'm just grabbing something as I'm going through doing, doing my work mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then I'll have to taste something and I'll be like, all right, I know that was like a biased taste because I still have something like the, the remnants of a taste in my mouth. yeah, And I feel like it's pulled in a different direction. So like, if I'm like, wow, that was really under seasoned. I'm like, hold on. I was like, I just ate something sweet. I feel like it probably counteracted the salt in what yeah. I just tasted. I was like, let me get another, you know, take a drink, take a few more seconds, try it again. You're like, okay, that was much better than I thought. So that is a very real thing.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So somebody did like a TikTok video about it. And I'm like, okay, that's a compelling argument. But it was good. I mean, look, it's a purple shake. It's weird. It's for a birthday of a fictional blob character at McDonald's like what do you expect
0: I always remember whenever I think of Grimace I think of the old there was old commercials with Jordan and Bird I believe and they were having a shoot off for who gets like I think it was like the last Big Mac or like the last fry yeah and uh, (laughs) and one of the I think MJ goes off Grimace's head for one of the one of the shots, like they're playing a oh, horse.
1: If you can find that, we're gonna throw that oh, in the post. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely try to
0: try to find a snippet of that. It's it's a classic commercial. That and I saw a hilarious post that was like about the, the grimace shake, and it was like, I'm gonna pronounce it grimace, like like as if it was oh, like Versace. <laughs> oh god. I thought it was pretty good.
1: Grimace. Pretty, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, give me one of them Grimace shakes.
0: Yeah. There
1: you go. But yeah. Father's day good sounds like yours was was pretty decent as well i take it
0: first one in a long time i didn't have to work and that's because at my current job we um we tend to we tend to do celebrate holidays either the day before or the week before so that in the event anybody wants to spend the time with their relative they can take them out and they can you know, they won't miss the event as we celebrate it. Yeah, like, yeah. they don't have to be in... What, a, what
1: a novel idea.
0: Imagine that. So, yeah. now the cool part, thankfully, about my, my new job is if I... So, for example, I'm usually off on Saturdays. I had to work Saturday, but because of that, I could take Sunday because I worked Saturday. So, that that was pretty legit. So, I was actually off for once. Uh, I got to go watch my kid play soccer in the morning. You know. We, oh, that's cool. Yeah, we came home. We had breakfast. We went to a little uh, barbecue later. So... All in all, pretty low key but chill Father's Day. You know, I, I'm not complaining about that. You know, I had some those, old those ones. are the best
1: ones, man. Yeah, honestly, hung out like,
0: and low stress. So,
1: it's also great when you don't have to cook your own meal, too. That is nice. Like, like, uh, like shout out to all the dads who had to make their own Father's Day meal today.
0: That That is very ben, often me, but ben
1: in the pit, yeah. You know.
0: <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was nice because especially because I, I had myself quite a, a lengthy day yesterday because I went, went in rather early to get things going and just making sure everything goes that smooth. And then once I got that done with that, I was actually I did a private event last night in the we'll just call it the gold coast here in long island it's 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 the very north shore that's like very exclusive mm. like where it's where like billy jewel lives you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. i i i zillowed the house i was at it was i think it was close to 4 million bucks and you can imagine Dollar. you can imagine what this place looked like but it was I, yeah it really wasn't hard stuff it was just like you know like uh kind of like brick oven pizza and barbecuing and stuff but it was it was just a lot of really nice watches there i'll say that much The hosts had uh, had matching gold day dates. (laughs) Because why
1: not? Because hers.
0: Because why not? But yeah, I saw a lot of Rolex, some AP. So I saw some really nice stuff. Um, But yeah, I got home pretty late, so today was very much just a chill day, and uh, you know, rightfully so. Yeah. So, uh, but aside from that, yeah, here just to to do the damn thing as always as we do every week. So. We will kick it off. Uh, I guess let's start with one that I, I uh, sort of jested about earlier in the week. The Tissot PRX is now in thirty-five millimeter, but with a Powermatic Eighty movement.
1: Hell yeah! About time. Over about there. time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got the we got the little tease at the end of last year when they launched kind of the 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 ladies' version with the diamond indices, with I think a two-tone bezel, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, everyone was like, hey, so wait, it's possible. Does this mean we're getting it? Yes. Tissot was just, you know, dragging it out a little bit. Sandbagging? Sandbagging. You know, they wanted to give you a sense of delayed gratification. And uh, obviously, it arrived. Um, I love the new design. I've been a big fan of the PRX since its inception a couple years ago. I mean, I I quite frankly was watching a video where, where somebody basically said that, this is one of the most important watches that has been launched from any brand in in recent memory.
0: Well, and you I thought this. that that
1: was a pretty bold statement at first, but when I started really thinking about it, I I really do agree
0: with this. Well, when you because, said that, the, what came to my mind was sort of in the vein of the SKX. Yeah, is that right? You were getting a a two hundred dollar ISO certified diver, right? Huge bang for your buck, all 100%. around. You know, a great entry watch, and I think that's what you're getting. In the PRX in general, right? Especially yeah, like, like the one I just absolutely. gifted to to my friend. For what you're getting, especially if you're if you're gonna go the court's route, I mean it's hard to beat that for that price.
1: And that and that's my point, right? And that's kind of what this what this uh this blogger was talking about. And you know, when I was thinking about it further, I was like, you know what? He's absolutely right. Because not only are you getting in you know, an amazing movement. You're getting brand heritage. It's already built into a brand. It's been around since 1853. You're getting incredible finishing. You're getting a fantastic modern style that has a vintage past, and you're getting an affordable package. Whether it's 675 for the Powermatic az 80 version in whatever size you choose, 40 or 35 now, or what 375 or 325, something like that yeah. for the coarse version in 35 or 40 millimeters. I mean. It's insane. And now you have all of the additional support for extra straps, leather, rubber, integrated bracelet. Like you have all of these things, both through Tissot and external parties that are manufacturing uh, aftermarket pieces for these things as well. I mean, that to me is amazing. And I think this is really one of those hallmark pieces. I think the 35 is a great move. I'm just torn myself if it's now time for me to get the PRX because the four new colorways that they launched, they're they are consistent with what's already been out in the 40 millimeter. You got the dark green. You got the kind of tapisserie blue, tapisserie black, and I guess now this white dial version, yep. which is actually Mother of Pearl. And I didn't know if you caught that.
0: Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's a subtle Mother of Pearl. From all the photos, I have not seen a single iridescent shine to it. But apparently, it is actually a Mother of Pearl that wears more white than it does Mother of Pearl. So, I don't know. That's the only one that's a little bit more expensive just given the the material. But I just don't know if I should jump on it now and get the green or the blue one that I've really liked in the 40 millimeter, or do I wait a little bit and see if they're going to come out with an ice blue or something else cool in the smaller size?
0: Or if you're going to get a 37 millimeter version, as my, my spicy prediction stirring up the people. Predicted. Yeah. So yeah, al- yeah. immediately everybody's like, is this real? Is this a thing? I'm like, no, no, is no. This is happening. Like, I'm like, this is I was like, this is a logical progression of this is sort of a, a jumbo-sized integrated sports watch because again, if you if you've ever seen one of these, even though the lugs slope down a little bit, it's a weird it it blocky.
1: Yeah, we're pretty blocky. Right.
0: And now a 35 will be good for I think most people, but you also have to um take into account the uh Plenty of bros who will not admit to buying a 35 millimeter watch just based off their their own ego. Right? The people who are like they're like the 36 millimeter deniers that were like, no, yeah. that was never the classic size. Yeah. That's for yeah. that, that's a lady size. But you know, yeah, they're out there. I mean, you could 38 just, or bust. Go you know? through the go through the comment yeah. sections. They're there, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that I, a 37 to me, first of all, you're splitting the difference. Second of all, I think it might be the best all-encompassing size across the board and also yeah. 37 is you know just very hot right now right
1: <laughs> very hot right now
0: 2020 was very like 38 yeah 39 and now, and
1: 38 I think and
0: now we're we're down to 37 right there everybody's yeah, yeah. dropping 37 including and 36 including Tudor yeah right? so we're seeing a lot of that I think it's a natural progression will they do it I don't know but I'm just going to lay it out here as I have before. And once in a while, you know, the blind squirrel finds a nut. Yeah. And I'm right. So if I am, I will.
1: We've been up. right more than once on this show. I'm just going to say that. Listen, so. bro.
0: Mario Kart chronograph. That's all I'm going to say.
1: <laughs> that was a wild one. I will, I will never forget how wild that one was. That, that was we a full right.
0: court heave. And it 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 rained <laughs> and it buckets. And it landed. And it landed. Right. So every once in a while, the broken clock is right twice a day.
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs>
0: But I think I think it would be a, a an interesting move to see if that does come to fruition. Um, You know, I can't disagree. This watch provided a very accessible look that people were craving. Yep. During a time where you could not get it anywhere yeah. near affordable. And,
1: and, and that was this other guy's point. Is he was saying the exact same thing. He goes, you know, this, the, the integrated steel sports watch market is very hot. And every brand is coming out with it. But not another brand has been able to deliver a watch of this caliber at, un, at well under $1,000 with this type of pedigree. I mean, look at the Christopher Ward 12. That watch came out. It's arguably stunning. Every video I've seen of it looks amazing. But We're talking a couple thousand dollars to get something close to that. Right? That would be like the next step up, right? So I think it's a home run. And it will continue to be a home run.
0: And I think it would behoove them to just continue just to build all over this platform. Yeah. Like, I mean, don't te- let the don't let the momentum run out on this one. Just keep yeah. hammering it until you're blue in the face because it's, it's going to be a moneymaker. It just is. Yeah.
1: I mean, it, it, now Tiso Tiso is a household name for a lot of people.
0: Like I said, they're not slouchers. They sponsor, like they are the sponsor, I believe, of Madison Square Garden. Like when you go there and you're yeah, you're they there, also are the official have, timekeeper
1: of the NBA. Right,
0: the NBA. It's
1: like that's not a that's not a small thing, you know. Every new recruit when they do signing day and all that stuff, like all these people that get drafted into the NBA, like they're wearing Tissot watches because Tissot gives them timepieces to wear when they're up there accepting their their placements and the teams and everything.
0: And this right. makes a perfect watch for that because, again, the steel sports look, right, yeah. that sort of, I mean, and we, we used, I always use the Royal look as sort of a, a comparison, but just because they both have such killer bracelets. um, But this watch is peculiar because when it came out, I noticed every single person had an idea of what vintage reference this sort of built on, mm-hmm. and they were all different. Yeah. it depends who you ask. If it was, was it a, an, you know, an, an old Rolex? Was it a Royal Oak? You know, there was, there was, a, you know, an Omega. Like everybody had their own opinion, and somehow they were all different watches. So it it is a bit of, I'll admit, it's a bit of like an amalgam of plenty of their design cues, yeah. which is fine. Again, you're you're offering it at such a very drastically different price point. It, it really is irrelevant. But I think this watch, if I'm a, you know, a, dra- a draft day signee. I would want to wear one of these. This is cool.
1: Yeah, and 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 you know, the average person that has no idea doesn't know what it is or what it is not. You know, and what's funny is you know this watch is actually from Tissot's catalog. You know that, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Which is the original? The original reference was a C Star. It was not a PRX. That was uh, something different. And somebody actually explained the the the, um, the acronym for me. It was basically like an internal acronym. And it stood for, I think, precise or like precision, reliability, and then the X is actually the Roman numeral 10 okay. because it's still for 10 atmospheres. So it was basically something that was precise, reliable, and water resistant to 100 meters. Like That was what the PRX designation internally meant for Tissot when they developed this launch in the 1970s, which I think is cool right? It's kind of like the Seiko 5, right? Like that Shield logo, like the 5 actually means 5 different things that they wanted that watch to be. Yes. Um, Which I think is very cool. So it's kind of a taste of that, but it's a cool watch. It will continue to be a cool watch, Tissot. Just keep hammering them out. Um, I would love to really see like a vintage, vintage version of the PRX, like using the old Tissot logo. I think that would be pretty sick. Um, Because, I mean, why not? We can do whatever we want. But uh, I'd be curious.
0: I'd be curious if they would, at some point, just for novelty's sake, maybe just make like a like a like something crazy, like a two tone or like a solid gold.
1: I mean, <laughs> just they, as like
0: a like a playful piece. I'm not saying like an everyday person. Well, I mean,
1: piece. they already they already have the two tone with solid I, gold, bezel. With just
0: the bezel, right? I yeah. I want to see this bracelet maybe because you know you ever seen the old ones that have, the old uh, watches that have like the alternating two tone links. I think I'd be oh yeah 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 you know something fun playful you know neat.
1: But, you know, just that, for that kicks, is, it's it's that not is, again. That it's, is a good point. They, they should really go full sand and just do like a full 35 millimeter PRX solid goal and sell it for like five grand.
0: I get that it kind of goes against the ethos of the watch. But again, it, it's it could be just the, you know, these sort of like in the in the vein of concept cars, how like they develop them and, and yeah. they never really are super, you know, out there for the public or anything. But I think it'd be fun.
1: I mean, why not?
0: Okay, I guess, you know, let's stick with this watch group while we're here. Um, Longines mm. has improved the sizing on a watch, in my opinion. Yep. That was very hot. Was it last year or two years ago this came out?
1: I believe it was last year. I think yeah. it was last year, too. Yeah.
0: So the uh, Spirit Zulu Time GMT, right? Great when it watch. came out, came out, everybody was sort of high on it, I think. I think everybody kind of liked it. I don't know if everybody knew it was it was 42, correct? That watch?
1: Yes, 42.
0: 42. So it was a, a bigger GMT. Not outrageous, but a bigger GMT. But I noticed a few people said, oh, you know, it's a little big for my wrist. Fine, good, okay. Well, now we have it in, in 39, I believe this is. Yes, 39. Okay, and you're getting it in the, the same colorways. I personally am very drawn to this green bezel.
1: That's the one that jeans. That I watched a video interview about this watch, and they said that's the one that universally is the most popular, is the green and gilt.
0: I think it's just such a good color combination. It is. The, it the is. green, the gold, the black. It, it,
1: and and to me... It's just good. <laughs> when I think of other watches, like this looks like a colorway that should have always existed, but I can't remember it from any notable watch. Like the green and gilt, like, I just can't see another watch that that has that colorway that immediately stands out to me, other than maybe like the um, the Harrods uh, Tudor. Yeah. But that's it. I, I can't think of another watch that's green and gilt like that. And I just think the colorway works so well together. And
0: you know, what's funny is like if they dropped that in like a Black Bay 58, do you know how it would kill. bonkers that would sell?
1: It would kill. It would kill.
0: But, you know we're just we're more preoccupied it's okay we dropped it in a solid gold version we're busy with cycling cycling chronographs and nonsense anyways not important but i think this watch i think more people will enjoy it in this size i think it's a home run in this size i don't know if you're going to get a lot of people who might have regretted buying it in a bigger size but i see them sort of playing the it not that it's a game but the same game in that you drop this watch and people are like, oh, it's great. That's great. It's great. And then you're like, all right, how can we improve on it? Well, let's offer it in a, a more friendly size for more yeah, risks. Yeah. And then, you know, you're going to get sort of the second wave in the same exact way that the PRX did. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it's just it's just smart business. You give people enough of what they want, but not everything that they want. And then you give them exactly what they want. Right. I mean, it's has got it's kind of crazy, but it. I mean when you think about watches in in the in the scale in which things come out today it's nuts right another perfect example of this same phenomenon is like when the Seiko 5 Street Diver came out Everyone's like oh the SKX is back and they're like wait it's not ISO certified no not screw down quite. crown the bezel's not really the right thing uh but it's 42 and then now they're slowly, several years later, they're starting to come out with a smaller size, 38, 39. You're starting to see more of that trend. So, I mean, it's it's no surprise. It's just savvy business, I think, at this point.
0: Yeah, and I think you'll see that sort of across the board. Um, but even that, it's not out of the ordinary. You know, like, no, think about no. how many different sizes were offered going back, right? You, you traditionally had most watches released in, like, a 36, 35. 37 and then you got your jumbos quote-unquote yep. in your 41s right now yeah. those are the desirable size but again looking me, at you ap right yeah for me if you didn't
1: it, know guys ap did not used to make 41 millimeter watches <laughs> those were considered jumbos used i used to be 37 and 38
0: yeah and this is alluding to to the the post i made about the prx is that somebody commented that Why would they want to make a watch that looks like the Royal Oak look less like a Royal Oak by releasing it in a smaller size? And I wanted to just say to the guy, you realize that, you know, probably sarcastically, I'd say, yeah, they definitely never released this watch in any any other sizes historically, right? Because they did have them in thirty seven. And I was just, I was so baffled, I was like, all right, never mind. Just I'm not even gonna answer this. But
1: Look, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are still normies, okay? It's okay. We've all we've all made a crappy comment that we knew nothing about, <laughs> but we thought that we Redacted. knew everything about, you Redacted. know. It's okay. You know, but it's for okay.
0: me, for me, the day just is still 36. The the royal oak is still, I'm still good with it in 37. You know what I mean? Like, yep. yep. You know, so I'm okay with the sizes, give them to me, you know.
1: Yeah. And I think the PR, I mean, I know we're not talking about the PRX so much anymore, but I still think it looks amazing at 35. So come at me, bro. But the lawn jeans, this is a home run. I think everyone's going to like it, especially because there's not a lot of GMTs out there in this size. You know, and, and at this price point, you're looking at things like Tudor. Come at me, Tudor. Like, you still got these 42 monstrosities. One just has a white dial and it's still fat. Um, this is a much better offering with a fantastic movement from a great brand at a less price uh i would rather choose this 10 times over than 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 anything Tudor's gonna give me and right? people
0: have been clamoring for that gmt in a smaller size for yeah i mean how many people
1: time. are asking for a 39 Tudor pelagos gmt or whatever xyz you want right um and this is the true gmt like nothing against the 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 black bay pro but you don't have a rotating bezel like it's a fixed 24 hours scale. At least I can use this one like a true GMT. So, um, it's uh, it's interesting. I think this is a this is a home run, and it will continue to be a home run. And now we get a version with 18 karat gold on it too. I don't know if you caught that. I did. Yeah. So one one version for those out there that are listening, one version has a solid gold bezel and crown, but the rest of the watch will be steel. So it's essentially like a, a little bit of a two tone taste but very attractive. Very good looking watch.
0: Yeah, on to the next. We're going to go to Farrer. They've dropped two of what I think is a series of chronographs. So they have a chrono sport collection and they have right now two colorways. They have a sort of sky blue bezel with a brown sunburst dial and then a one that looks a lot like the aquamatic color scheme of it's it's white bezel white dial with red hands a little blue on the su, uh, sub dial hands mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh but their chronographs uh you know the pretty typical tri-compacts layout the the 369 um uh, they they're good looking watches i i'm leaning more towards the white i I want to like the brown. I just there's something about it that kind of throws me off. We were talking about earlier. Um, I I don't know if it's for me. I want to like the brown because it's different. And you, like I always talk about your your um opportunities to get a brown dial watch that's attractive are pretty yeah. slim. Yeah. And so when they come around, I'm like, eh, is this the one? Is this the one? I don't know. But yeah. Uh. But I I do like the white one. I like the white in the Aquamanic, and I like it in this one as well. Uh. I I like the sort of that contrast of the white and red. It's very sporty. Um, it's, it's something you're not going to get a lot of places with this kind of uh, intensity, I guess I'd say. So, yeah, yeah.
1: No, I think that they're, yeah, I think that they're great watches. I think the size is cool. It's very like seventies chrono.
0: They're uh, titanium, I believe.
1: They are titanium. I was just about to mention that. So I think that this watch, as you mentioned, had come out before, but I think this is the, the second launch, if you will, of this particular design. Because they have another uh, chronograph called the Chrono Classic. This one's the Chrono Sports. Right. And, it, so, and it,
0: they did mention in the caption on their photo that it is back for another lap. Yes, yes. So, so this is the second
1: iteration. But I think the big change here with maybe the, the dial colorations, because I can't find the original ones on the website anymore. I think the biggest change here is going to be the case material in titanium. But um, good looking watch, manual wine chronos. I mean, you guys know Farrah. We talked about them at length. Uh they're they're it's a cool company. And I mean these are these are Chronos at under two grand. I mean that's pretty cool to me. You're talking about titanium watch with a sporty kind of design, a unique colorway as is is synonymous with with Ferrer, and it's uh under two thousand dollars. That's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, and we, we give them their props for their originality as a company and sort of just doing what they do in their price bracket because it's just one of those things you just don't get very often. Like, you, you don't get very many sort of out there designs like they make or color combinations. Like, they kind of really, you know, do their own thing, which I really like. And so, we yeah. always give them their props for that. And they come in at a pretty reasonable price. I know some people will be like, well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a micro brand. I don't know if I want to spend that much. Okay. I mean, you don't have to. So, that's okay. But... <laughs> But I think they're neat and I think they're novel, and I'll give them I'll always give them props for that. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. It's it's, it's certainly deserved, it.
0: right? And then you, could, you can weigh that against the next one, which is a citizen for almost the same amount of money, right? And then see if you have a problem with that, right? Because citizen <laughs> so they came out with this um series eight platform as sort of their higher end in recent years, right? They they made these watches that are sort of like the dress sport, and now they're giving you a GMT version. Now these GMTs, although I, I'd be curious to check one out, especially the the gold tone one because it's sort of out there. Mm-hmm. Um, they do give you sort of a little bit of a taste of everything in them. I know you were mentioning before the show that this is so um, almost like a spoof of the Swiss Swiss Legend. <laughs> from, yeah, the eight- from Moser.
1: Yeah, the, the real G's will remember that reference. The Swiss Legends watch from Moser that was released out of Basel. We
0: we have mentioned this one before, but I think only maybe once.
1: Yeah, but it was a long time ago. Yes, so so but, I'm sure we do, picked do up some, a few Do some research and look up the H. Moser, I'm sorry, Swiss Icons. Swiss Icons, icon. that was it. We always yeah, say Legends. The That's H. Icon. Moser Swiss Icons watch. Um, this is the watch that got Moser into a lot of heat because all the brands basically sued them at the same time uh, to not make this watch because they were fully ready to make it um, but do some research but yes this citizen reminds me a lot of that and not in a good way
0: yeah so if you're unfamiliar the Swiss Icon had basically a tiny bit of design cue from every single like major Swiss player like the, the Panerai a crown, crown guard, guard. yeah, <laughs> so it was pretty funny. It was, it was basically made to be a hodgepodge watch, as as sort of just an homage to all of the Swiss watch industry. But it, in the same regard, I mean, looking at this watch, you're getting a lot here. Like, you're, as far as your, your colorways, you're getting a Pepsi bezel, a Batman, uh, almost like a root beer. Uh, you're getting a textured dials, you're getting, you know, the the. Sort of sporty bracelet that we've become accustomed to. Yeah, um, you're just getting, you know, if you squint your eyes, this could be a lot of watches, more or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right.
1: And I think that that's probably my beef with it. I mean, really, this is basically three colorways from from Rolex's collection, right? We have like a Pepsi version, we have a Batman version, and then we have basically like a watered down root beer version. Um, and look, are they ugly watches? No um are they watches that really resonate with me also no now is it a good watch is it a gmt is it something that you could be happy with owning absolutely it's just not a watch that i would find a need to have in my collection i think the dials are a little bit too busy on the pepsi and the batman version they're almost like a basket weave type of texture and it kind of just looks unnecessary um to be there it's kind of just more texture for texture sake in my opinion um, but other than that, it, as bro pointed out, I mean, it just, it, they just look like a lot of different watches kind of smashed into one. Um, is it necessarily bad? No, isn't necessarily amazing. Also, no, just not it for me.
0: Yeah. And I think that's okay. Right. It's okay to say something isn't for you. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be terrible. You just don't have to, you don't have to celebrate it. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is like, I'm sure it's cool. I'm sure somebody will love it. I'm just never going to ever look at this and buy it. So. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I don't get paid for that.
0: We don't get paid for any of this, for the record, for all you out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: okay. I like it that yeah, way yeah. sometimes. All right.
0: Allows us to remain independent. <laughs> all right. Uh, so this week's topic sort of springs off of what we were just talking about a little bit with that citizen. Um, you know, it, it's something I've noticed a lot and watch content recently, and it's it came up uh, a few times this week um in in a couple articles that i was i was reading that we shared back and forth. Um there so there was an article that more or less goes against every principle I have which is that there was an article on Fratello, which first of all, shout out Fratello, I enjoy them very much. Uh I like plenty of their editors. Our buddy Mike Spencer contributes over there. Uh mm-hmm. shout out to Mike. Um <laughs> uh so it, it's not um a slide or anything it's just that there was a there was a, a specific article discussing how Mechanical watches don't make sense for in the in the realm of being cheap, basically. And cheap mechanical watches don't make sense. And it has to do yep. with service costs and a whole bunch of other things. Anyway, I don't really agree with it, but no, it, I don't either. But part of part of the um argument's sake was that a a quartz movement in a cheap watch is better. And that's the, the terminology they use. And I understand there are you know, avenues of thought where that isn't wrong or anything, but that piggybacking on a different article that came up. I think it was with Time and Tide, where they literally—that was the the entire article was a quartz versus mechanical. You know, let's throw it on the gauntlet and, and hash this beef out type of thing. Um, I find and the trend here is I I find that the words better and best are now the clickbait of the watch world. Yeah. And you'll find this there, are, there are posts that pop up on my, my for you page or whatever the popular page, whatever you want to call it. And it'll be the best, you know, something watches, the best orange watches. And it'll be a bunch of a collection, maybe 10 orange watches that somebody handpicked. But I'm like, what what's your criteria for best here? Yeah. You know, at least if you're like, oh, best for X amount of money, best in the realm of maybe what complications it has or what features you're looking for in a specific package okay i i can hone in on that a little better now yeah but just throwing something out there like the best with a color and then i'm like well how'd you arrive at these you know and, and I'm yeah, sure, exactly i'm exactly. sure part of that might be you know paid for right if you're if you're a representative and, and this person has a large following you might want to get your watch up on there okay i can understand that i guess but we throw these words around better and best and it, it irks me a little bit because we're we're never discussing the scope or the sort of criteria that we're looking for here and it's it's very hard to just say well what's the the best of a, a huge broad category right like mm-hmm. I i think the I think the Submariner versus Seamaster thing has been beaten to death, right? And the same yep. thing always comes out of it is that the Seamaster is, is better spec. At the end of the day, the Submariner has the name, blah blah blah, and that's what it always comes down to. And it, it always get kind of get just gets comes down to what people call like a wash, right? They're like, ah, oh, it's a wash at the end of the day because they're both very good at what they do, and even and this one is more of a, a clout watch, and this one's more tool and whatever, but you know that's sort of the 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 new clickbait is better best etc right so i i think w- what i started what i started kicking around in my head was ha- how we could maybe remedy this a- as an idea um so there's certainly a a best for you right in my mind like mm-hmm. i i think you have your own tastes right taste is is a uh, subjective and Knowing that it's always going to be hard to accept objectivity one hundred percent. Yeah, right. We could always try to be objective. We we always try to be objective overall, but you're always going to have a little bit of personal preference in there, right? Not I always yeah, acknowledge and, and it, right? inherent I, bias too. Yeah, I, mean, I, that's... I have you know I have my favorite brands. You have yours. Everybody has theirs. You're always going to lean a little bit, right? It's it's just a it's part of being human, right? Human nature. So, mm-hmm. um. I, I thought about that and, and I think it, it's easy to pick those because you pick them for yourself and you don't really have to paint that with such a broad brush. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I don't have to say what the best watch for you is. I just have to, have to say what the best watch for me is. And at, at the end of the day, you can arrive at that because it's your choice. Right. So I, I can get down with that. Right. Um, I can get down with watches being categorized by like a, a price range, I guess, right? Like picking the best, whatever it might be under 500 bucks, right? Okay. Well, I have a ceiling there, right? I have $500 is my limit. So I know everything above that is automatically eliminated. I can't pick from those, right? Okay. Yeah. Now I can hash that out based on, I don't know, based on specs or package or whatever, whatever you might be emphasizing the importance of, but that still kind of goes back to personal preference because who's placing that importance, right? Is our looks more important to you? Is the brand name more important to you? Are specs more important to you, right? Is, is it movement or is it the bracelet? Is it what colors it's offered in? Is it brand heritage? Like there's a million things you could, you could throw on as sort of secondary criteria there. But at least if you, if you start to sort of carve that out, you get a little more, Focused with your with your options and your choices, I guess.
1: 100%. 100%. Right.
0: And then I guess, you know, specs, You I, specs are sort of cut and dry. You could always organize things by specs, right? If something has a better depth rating, it has a better depth rating, right? If it's more accurate, it's more accurate. There's not really two ways about that unless, you know, there's some fudging going on or unless it's one of those things where, you know, somebody claims accuracy for a movement but let's say it's not 100 percent proven or like you know there there are certain brands out there usually i think they're they're micro brands but um Mm -hmm, they will mm -hmm. say our watch runs within such and such spec but we're not going to send it out to be certified certified because it's it's a lot of money now you can take that for for what it's worth or you can say well you know i don't know if i trust that because it's again it's not certified Right. And I don't know if that just means you have you've achieved that for wear on the wrist, or if if it got put through its paces at all the different um, you know, temperatures and angles and things, if if that would come to fruition or not. But those exist. They there are brands that, that do claim that type of thing. Um, but without, you know, with kind of that on the sideline, you, you can sort of hash out based on specs, you know, what. I don't know what what's, what's the deepest diver or what's the most uh, the chronograph with the, the best accuracy down to the smallest fraction of a second, right? That that's, that's quantifiable. So you can definitely figure that out. Right. And then with other things I was thinking about was like, de- as far as designs go um, you know, de- design is very, is again, very subjective, but if you're going to, I guess, narrow down, like like we talk about we've been talking about steel sports watches right you you yeah at least use that as a way to sort of uh again narrow down your your limits here but regardless i i it kind of just nags me when i see posts about you know and and again they're usually clickbait they're usually like youtube videos or they're they're, there's always
1: it's always clickbait
0: right or articles and it's like it'll be like the best watch you know and they'll they'll throw some some very broad category on it. You're like, well, okay, I could probably think of like ten others that maybe might satisfy this, right, right? Like or at least contend. like how did you arrive at best? Yeah, And so that that's sort of what what i I guess I wanted to kick around today. um and, uh, yeah, I don't know. but but I guess going back starting with the article, I mean, first of all, the cheap mechanical watch is sort of, for me, it's it's pretty much the, the lifeblood of this hobby.
1: Yeah, 100%. Right?
0: Because, because, don't get me wrong, we usually start with quartz or digis or solars or something like that. But, you know, once you get sort of that idea in your head where oh, watches well, have a soul. Well, you know, the, the automatic is beautiful, you know, you sort of be like, all right, well, now I'm going to be on the hunt for automatics or you know, something a manual wind or whatever it might be. Right. We get that in our head. And where do we go? We're going to go for something cheap. Yeah. And functional. And I mean, if you think about the past probably year, I mean, that's where that's where the bread's been buttered here, man. You think about all the, the great affordable options we talk about week in, week out. On new releases, right? On whether the PRX,
1: be- we yes. just spent like 20 minutes talking right. about this damn watch.
0: Exactly. Right? We, we were talking about, you know, the the, the Seiko fives, the PRX, That there are so many. And like those are what are are, are, are netting people into this hobby, right? And and yes. yeah, s- servicing does cost a good amount on an automatic watch, and it might eclipse the value of that watch over time. But I mean, also if you're gonna keep that watch that long, you've got your money's worth out of that, also, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I know. I know dudes who, who have had SKXs who have never serviced them. I was going to say, like not you,
0: you don't necessarily need to to service a super cheap watch if you're willing to roll the dice.
1: Yeah. Right. I, I, again, and and I understand. I understand the 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 aspect of the article. Um. I understand the aspects of the article because the idea was. Hey, you know, basically, you know, my buddy's watch is going in for service. It's an SKX. Seiko's like, Yeah, we'll send it out. We'll swap the movement. He's like, What do you mean you're going to swap the movement? He's like, You're not going to service it. Like, well, all mechanical watches just get a new movement because it's cheaper. Okay. Because let's put it this way. Well, labor would
0: certainly be less, right? I I mean,
1: exactly. And it's a faster turnaround time because, I mean, think of it this way.
0: And how many SKX movements are out there? There's probably an entire landfill of them.
1: Oh, sure. But keep in mind, right? I mean, some of us bought SKXs 10 years ago at $100, 85 bucks. And now you're going to service it, and your service cost is probably two to three times more than what you paid for the watch initially. Okay? Now, if you want to have somebody go through and and fine-tune and clean everything out and everything like that, hey, you know what? More power to you. Do it that way. But the manufacturer themselves is like, no, nah, it's not really worth it. We're just gonna replace a brand new movement at that price point. I don't care.
0: None of that. But what? What's? I mean, again, if it's a if it's a cheap mechanical watch, what is the what's wrong with that?
1: Nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And in in many ways, with Seiko movements, especially some of these older calibers, a lot of them had plastic components inside the movements. It's how they could keep the cost down, you know? And if that's the case, then those plastic components can probably wear out. It's probably much more difficult to try to service them than it is to just fix the movement entirely and just replace it. Right? I mean, that's just the reality. But, you know, I I understand the argument and I understand why that was a little bit you know uh disconcerting from his point of view because again we're sold the idea that oh it's a mechanical watch you take it to your to your local esteemed watchmaker and he's going to systematically take it apart he's going to clean it for you and and your your treasured piece the heart and soul will be ticking and running exactly how it was when you first picked it up and everything's going to be original i'm like look man in no way 70 years from now is an skx going to be a million dollar watch yeah okay so it really doesn't matter if it has all the original components or anything like that. It's It was a beater watch to begin with. Now, I can understand if that was what Patek told you. And they're like, hey, we're just going to swap out the movement. Like, whoa, what do you mean you are going to swap out the movement? Or Rolex, you say, yeah, we're just going to give you a new movement because it's not worth it for us to fix the one that you have. Or Omega or, or Tag. I mean, some brands with prestige, I understand that concept. Right, If Grand Seiko told you they're just going to swap out the 9-series movement. Okay, maybe that's a little bit more of a concern. But something at this price point, like you have to know what you're getting into. And if that's a manufacturer's recommendation because that's what they do anyway, then that's what they're going to do. And here's the thing. Would you have known any differently had they not right, told that's
0: you? That's my other thing. The answer yeah, is it's, no. It's not like those people who sent their watch into Rolex and they got them refinished, right? Because we've heard of that, right? Yeah. People who've sent their, their watch in for servicing and they've been like, not just, just, you know, lube it up, take it apart, make yeah, it run good, it. right? And next thing it comes back and it's, polished up and you're like, yeah, brand
1: new, brand new crystal, brand new bezel, new bracelet. It's been, it's been factory refinished. Yeah. Right. And whether
0: you're somebody who's trying to preserve the legacy of the watch, you know, in its original form, understandable, or you're somebody who just likes the charm of a nicked up watch. Either way. I mean, that's disheartening that you get that back and it's.
1: Yeah. I mean, I took those
0: liberties. I get that. But again, I, I don't think anybody would be like, oh man, you know, they replaced, the the crystal on my $200 beater, like, (laughs) what was me, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. But, you know, when you were asking me to think about this concept, you know, about what really makes something better, I think, I think what you touched on is, is, is really true. But I think if we take it a little bit further, I think a lot of this is all anecdotal, right? And I think that that's, you kind of touched on this, this is all subjective, but most importantly, it's all anecdotal, right? because to this guy that's Seiko this may be his only watch so maybe this is the most important piece to him you know what i mean and so with that frame of reference having a change could be a a a mind altering type of experience because that was not the bill of goods that you were sold right when you bought this watch you're like yeah somebody's going to fix it and they'll help you take care of it for your, forever and technically that's true they're just not going to fix it the way that they that you thought they were going to fix it for you, right? But I think also when when you come to this idea of classifying what's really best is is a few different categories that I kind of came up with. And one of them I think is kind of the idea of collector cachet, right? When you buy something, especially when you're buying it at different price points, right? You look at something like an SKX, you look at something like a jeans, and you look at something like a Rolex or a Paddock or something like that, right? Whatever you buy into, you're automatically at three different levels, Right. one could be like, oh, you're the cool, trendy hipster dude that just bought his first SKX getting into the world of mechanicals. Hey, you know, you're the young, you know, um, enterprising college graduate who just got his first job and goes out to buy something. Oh, you're an established doctor with multiple practices. You're buying yourself something really expensive and really nice. Yep. Like these are three different types of status. Right. And I think this idea of collective cachet really stems from the idea that when people when you buy something. People know what you're going to buy, whether that's a good thing or or that's a bad thing. And I think a lot of times when we try to classify what's the best for us, it's this idea of what's going to give us the most kind of internal street cred based on recognition from other people. And I know this is especially true of something like a Rolex right, or a Patek. You buy something like that and people who know watches, even people who don't know watches know what it is. There's already an inherent like, oh, yeah, I got the thing that everyone wants that nobody can get, right? So now I'm therefore special or people know based on my purchase that I'm at a certain level of something, right? It's a very different message than somebody who buys a PRX or an SKX, right? It doesn't quite send the same message potentially, at least in, in what I think about, right? Yep. And then there's also this idea too that um when you're getting into to to certain things or when you're trying to qualify something as the best, you know, there's also a sense of you know the brand's heritage and the prestige that is associated with that respective brand. And you know, you look at something like uh let's say like an omega. Right? It's a very well-respected brand by a lot of different people. Now, there's a lot of people out there who don't like the brand at all. They think it's overrated. They think it's cheap. They think it's not uh, a brand worth investing into. I completely disagree. As you guys know, I would. But that brand carries a certain level of status and prestige for certain people, whereas other brands don't or do. And it's all contingent on what you decide to to put your money into. But a lot of this stuff that we voice our opinions on and what we end up wanting is based on anecdotal evidence or it's based on you know, third-party evidence from somebody else. Like, oh, my grandfather told me that his Rolex Air King that he's used in Vietnam was the best, most accurate watch of anybody that he ever served with, and it was the best watch. And so when I grow up, I'm going to buy a Rolex because my great-grandfather had one or my grandfather had one. Right. Oh, I don't think the Speedmaster is a great watch because I took it diving and I pushed it the pushers under water and I got water in it. OK, so does that mean it's not a good watch or does that mean it just we we used it as not advertised? Right. So does that mean that the Rolex is now better and the Omega is not better or what? So it's it's really all contingent on what you think. And it's probably the most circular, subjective thing that we could touch on. But I think that a lot of this has to do with what we believe is true about the watches based on marketing, based on the market for these watches, based on the brand heritage, the prestige, the cachet that surrounds them. Cause that's what's really the determining factor here, you know? But you're, you said it right too. I think all of this is, is very important to get back to the idea, is there has to be a framework. If you're going to say something is the best XYZ for this amount of price or the best XYZ summer watch or whatever it might be, what's your framework? Or is it just a blanket statement that we apply to everything?
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, there's, there's another sort of wrinkle to it that Best is hard to grasp when you're talking about sort of a, without rolling with any kind of criteria, right? Because you can find an affordable watch that keeps time plenty good and it does its job just as well as a very expensive watch.
1: 100%.
0: For the wearer. Yeah. Right? It might not go as deep. It might not time down to a split second but if you're just a person who wears a watch on your wrist to maybe tell the time and they're both doing it well, I mean, really best is a, a weird term in that regard. Yeah. Right. And so the, some people might say, well, doesn't that make the, the argument for courts watches? Well, not necessarily. Right. I'll, I'll show you right here. I have one in my hand, right. It's a, you know, it's an F 91 and oh uh, yes. God tier. As the so, as the, the young boys said, I'm going to show thinks. you it, it's off by ten minutes. I mean, I've had this watch for quite a long time, but it's off by a significant amount. Like that still happens with court's movements. There's still there's still some error there. It's not like they're it's not yeah, a, especially
1: if you're not checking it every so often to reset it up to 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 you know global time or whatever the UTC time or GMT time standard right. is currently. It's not
0: right? it's not a you know it's not it's not a, a watch that that's been maybe tested like a master chronometer might be or something like like a
1: Seiko Astron where it's like radio controlled or like where it's always going to update itself. You know what I mean?
0: Right. Right. So I I think that argument gets tossed around a lot is, Oh, well, quartz keeps time better. Well, yes and no. You know what I mean? So there's certain wrinkles to this that uh, again, you sort of have to split the hairs in some regards and really, you know, put everything on the table before you could start throwing around best and better. And even at the end of the day, once you do that, it's still difficult to me because many of them will still accomplish the same goal for what you're going to need it for, or what you were looking to, what problem you're looking to solve. And then at that point, again, you're just going to fall back on your own subjective tastes.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, look,
0: you know, so these are just, this is just what every time I see a, a post about the best, I'm like, okay it may you know, be the to... best
1: to you right in your world or in your price point or in your, what you're looking for but it's not the best for everyone and I, I I like this topic because it's certainly a challenging one and I know that there's not really a right or a wrong answer to this kind of uh enigma or, or question of what we're doing or what we're proposing but you know I think it's like I said and we've said this many, many, many times before on the podcast. It's like, go get what you want. Go collect what you want. You know, fall in love with something that you think is cool. Don't follow the trends of everybody else and 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 try to find something different. You know, still to this day, I have a crappy $75 Vostok Amphibia that I've had for probably 10 years because that was one of the first mechanical watches that I could afford as a person. And I was like, you know what? i'm gonna buy this watch because somebody said it was cool but i like it that it's kind of niche it was still very much an underground kind of watch back in the day um and in and, and many ways still is kind of today you know you find people talking about it less and less and less of uh, being a relevant watch but i think it's a very cool piece and it will still stay in my collection because i just love it you know but is it the best watch ever no has somebody on YouTube pushed that watch past its 200-meter rating by putting into a pressure canister and subjecting it to three times its pressure equivalent of what it's rated to? Yes. Did it survive? Yes. Um, does that mean it's better? <laughs> no. just <laughs> means some crazy dude with a pressure chamber to put, decided to put it in there. It's just a cool, funky little thing to own. It's no different than a Citizen Echo Drive or a Seiko 5 or, or a the tech nautilus it's just find what you like find what you think is the best and, and go and get that thing and if it's not something that you like then hey move it on but don't sit here and try to quantify that something is 100% inherently the best of everything because it's not
0: yeah and this there's Sometimes they will some, always be better sometimes they'll, they'll walk it back afterwards and be like well these are our favorite well that's a different story isn't it yeah right so why not just start
1: there but you're right. It's all about the clickbait.
0: Yeah, it's about the clickbait. Like I'll show, I'll, I'll show you. I, uh I, I have one just up right now. So I'm looking at one. It says best two tone watches. There's a brightling a Tudor, Rolex, Zenith, Cartier, AP, Omega, paddock Chopard, and then arado That's a I, very I'm, wide. I'm That's dying very... to know what, what, where you were going with that. I'm yeah. dying to know. So
1: that is a very wide range.
0: Like how you even landed on ha- half of those, like I and they're, they're, and some of them are sort of, you know, niche picks, like a Tudor S and uh, I do not I don't, I don't think I would pick that for anything. Yeah, you know, just weird, just weird for me. But you know, again, in the captions, like, well, there are f- some are our favorite. I'm like, oh, our different story. I'm not gonna argue with you about that, but don't you know, piss on my leg and tell me it's the best. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah on my leg and don't tell, her to tell me it's not raining right um
0: but that's just sort of my two cents about the whole thing I'm sure it irks other people because I see the comments section they're like whoa best like or like what or they'll just write what is best you know like
1: <sighs> yeah again it's it's all just comes back to, to subjectivity and objectivity it's whatever you think is the best Okay, like I can sit here and scream from the mountaintops that Omega's the best watch brand in the world. Somebody's obviously going to vehemently disagree with me. I believe that. But I know other people don't. And that's okay. I don't need you to believe what I believe. I believe what I believe because it's my choice to believe it. And because of my experience and my anecdotal information that has led me to come to that conclusion. That same story might be different for you
0: well again it comes back to what you value the most right i like i i am a very very big seiko fan because i feel that they offer great watches for everybody and that's something that i stand behind and that's what i like yeah. about them the most it's not that they put out oh it's not that they they have a spring drive movement that's insanely accurate it's not that they they make you know some of the most famous you know divers at affordable price points they put out watches for everyone, and you can always find something that is cool and respectable and that you'll like. And that's what I like about them. It has nothing to do with, oh, I'm going to, I want to tout this as as superior. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess it's just different strokes in that regard.
1: I agree. I agree. Different strokes for different folks, and that is okay.
0: Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of the whole thing. Just a little rant I wanted to go on about clickbaity titles and and some out there ideas, which I guess are fine. You know, it's good to get sort of the different ideas out there and get some some off the beaten path concepts in the ether, I guess you'd say. But everything's up for debate. Let's just leave it at. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, and and I'm curious too. I mean, I know we get message quite often by by a lot of people that follow us. Um, what do you think about the, the the term the best? And uh what do you think is the best or what do you think is not the best?
0: Or what do you value in your determination of something being superior or yeah. better or what it might be?
1: Yeah. Hit us up in the DMs, let us know what you think. Food for thought. Post it in the comments on the on the post when we drop this tomorrow. So as long as I don't uh, forget. let us know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I forgot to announce one of our episodes, I think, two weeks ago. So we're both kind of in our our own busy world. So it's fine. It's whatever. The people know where to find us every Monday. If not, we'll send out a disclaimer. Indeed.
0: Indeed. (laughs) All right, folks. With that, we'll take you out. We'll see you next week on episode 87 of Risk Cheese Radio. Have a good one. Schmidt, be good, bro. Take care.